Welcome to the Superheroes Everyday Podcast. I'm Danny Horn. I'm here with Anthony Strand of Tough Pigs and the Muppet Movie Podcast, Moving Right Along. Hi, Anthony. Hey, Danny. And we are talking about Act 3 of 1997's Steel. It's been a minute since you listened to Act 2. This is how that went down. Sparks thanks him for not helping, which is an experience that he should get used to because not helping is what Johnny does best. But like the whole the whole appeal of being in a metal suit is that you are entirely encased in a metal suit. Don't lift him up in the air. Like this is the character who very specifically should not be airborne. I cannot stress enough that one of our heroes is in a wheelchair. And the song playing during this montage goes, stand up, come on, stand up. I looked it up on the internet. Everyone else, Anthony, this is this is major. This is actually like I've got I've got breaking news now for the world. So Act Three is where is where it all happens. The big confrontation. They're doing night patrol. Uncle Joe is just kind of like driving aimlessly around with Johnny, looking at stuff. Sparks is back at the lab, tapping on her computer. There's the Federal Reserve. And there's a thing where Singer goes down into a manhole to plant a bomb. It is real unclear to me what that is supposed to be. I don't understand that either, but we haven't really talked about Singer much yet. Do you want to discuss Singer? Well, yes, because his voice. Singer does have a very. he. It sounds like he has been electronically modified. Yes. Like everything about his voice sounds like. Crazy deep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very like. I'm going to see steel now. <laughs> like, and it's, it's like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the actor's name. I'm trying to look it up now. I don't recognize him. I don't know that I've ever seen him. Heaven Grievio. He was Naked Gun, the mask Stargate, but he's also a director. He's a screenwriter and director. Best known for his role as Ray's in the underworld film series, which I don't know, as well as his, his voice work in the cartoon young justice as the villain black beetle. There you go. Yeah, like that's exactly what I would expect because he has such a, it's yeah. like Michael Dorn, uh, like cranked up to 11. Oh my goodness. I'm looking at Wikipedia. He graduated from Howard University in 1987 with a degree in microbiology with minors in both chemistry and psychology, afterwards attending graduate school, working towards a master's degree in genetic engineering. And then he was in steel for a minute. He is an extremely accomplished man. I'm incredibly impressed by him. Yeah, yeah. It also says his voice is distinctively deep. It's really deep. It's it's wildly deep. Yeah. He says that fans of Underworld asked him if his voice had been altered by computer and were surprised to learn that it had not been. He really has that voice. I'd love to. I should watch an interview with him because I have to imagine it's a strange experience. It, he looks super interesting, actually. It's so and it's so funny because this is such a bland, weird role. Yeah, he doesn't get much to do here. Yeah. You don't look at this and you say that's a guy with a PhD in genetics, and <laughs> right? Microbiology. That's what he's doing. The bomb goes off under it's in the sewer. The bomb goes off. There's steam that comes up. I don't know what happened. I guess they turned out the power, but they are the bad people are all extremely pleased with themselves and they're all laughing. We've been talking about slats being loud. Yeah. Having had the conversation about eat the hot dog, don't be one. Right. Yeah. In this scene, he yells, slats got something for your ass. Before shooting a sonic weapon at a helicopter. He's been, he's been, he's been eating that hot dog. 
Sparks is at her control center, who says there's a major phone power failure. I'm zeroing in on the Landsat. So she has access to a satellite at this point. That's what computers do, Dan. That's what computers do. She talks about the Landsat quite a bit, and it feels to me like it's their, like, I think they made their own satellite and launched it into orbit. It's, like, made out of dented old colanders from the junkyard that they just shot off into space. (laughs) Meanwhile, over at the arcade, Burke and Big Willie have their own, like, computer station now. So now they've got their own thing of, like, they can just type things and, like, stuff happens. I believe that this is actually, like, this is part of that open plan office area that's right next to the arcade. Yeah. So, again, like, completely in public, they're, like, doing weird computer crime. And so here we go, uh, going after the Federal Reserve. So, Slats and everybody, they they use the sonic weapon to blow a hole in the wall. And then they use a death ray laser to burn through the vault. There are guys in like combat gear who enter the Federal Reserve. They shoot the security guys with mean guns, whatever guns they have. And then they start grabbing dollar dollar bills off of they start they start grabbing cream, mad cream. Get that cream. And the bills are all in these like plastic wrapped packages. If you're gonna steal stuff. Like, you don't steal money with with the serial numbers, like with subsequent serial numbers. You take one of them packages, right. they're going to know, again, I, I understand crime so much better than these people. Kenneth Johnson gives us the classic line, we've got company, and that is Steele, who comes in. And so Burke sees that all of this stuff is being relayed, you know, through video back to both sets of computer people. Burke says, now I wonder who that could be. And, okay, but then you know it's Johnny, right? Like, you you would sure think so. Why are you letting Johnny mess up your heist? You know where he lives. It doesn't make any sense at all. So Johnny is, like, talking back to Sparks. Cut to Burke, who says, who is he talking to? How does he hear that Steele is talking to somebody? And then the guy in the chair is like, I'm scanning, sir. You're scanning what? What is happening right now? <laughs> Johnny's, no, yeah, yeah, no. they all have, they all have like this incredible like rig where they can just see and hear whatever they want. Johnny takes his gun. He blows up some cars. It's not clear what he's trying to do. And then most baffling line, Sparks announces, he's got armor just like yours, Johnny. I don't know who she's referring to. Who has armor in this scene? Nobody. Nobody. Utterly baffling. Jeff Bridges in Iron Man. It's actually, she's she's referring to Jeff Bridges in Iron yeah, Man. Yeah, she's just reading a different script. She tells him, you're about to get the blues, which is beautiful. And everybody yeah. shoots and shoots. The sonic gun blasts Johnny. He gets blasted into a newsstand, and Burke is now happy. And then here's a helicopter and a police car that are going to the Federal Reserve. Johnny is still trying to shoot his gun and Sparks is yelling, you're outgunned, Johnny Bale. I don't know what's happening. The police come and it's like, why is literally anybody doing what they're doing right now? Like, why are, why is everyone staying in this location? Burke yells, take out the chopper and Slats, Slats looks up at the helicopter and he shoots at it with whatever their little space gun is. And the helicopter bursts into flame and it falls directly onto the same street. 
First, he says, Slat's got something for your ass. Oh, is that is that where he does it? Looks up and says, Slat's got something for your ass, which is fantastic because now <laughs> they're so bad at crime. The helicopter is going to crush a cop who is just if you're in a superhero movie, you don't just stand somewhere looking up like that's always a problem. You're always in danger if you're looking right. up. He's standing there. He's looking up. You just don't stand places if you're in movies. And so the helicopter's coming and then Steel comes and like grabs him and saves him from the helicopter because definitely the thing that you know about Steel and his costume is that he can move very quickly. Bad guy truck finally drives away and Johnny is like getting on his motorcycle. And so now Sparks is like watching the cop cars and telling him where to turn. I'm like, why are any of you doing what you're doing? So now it's another cop chase scene. She tells Johnny, better use your deterrent. And so he presses a button and there's nails behind him that go out. There's, he's yep. an area denial weapon. It is Mario's very Mario Kart. Yeah. And it works. And so then he takes the hammer gun and it's real unclear what he's doing, but he kind of, he kind of like twists it and does a little transformer thing. And now it's like a mounted machine gun that shoots death rays. And he just shoots it while he's driving a motorcycle, breaks open a water tank which kind of spews yep. water out onto the street and the cop on the motorcycle goes Wah! and falls off his bike. And then he just, and then there's like a, an open van and Johnny just drives into the van and it closes and that's uncle Joe. And now Johnny is now Johnny is safe. He's safe. Yes. Back at Burke's place. He's looking, he's looking daggers at his man in the chair who says like, Oh, he stopped transmitting before I could triangulate. But I got some parameters. So that's good. At least somebody's got parameters. <laughs> and it's like, but Bert, but you know, you know who it is and you know where he lives. And you could find out where the junkyard is very easily. The bad guys have videotaped this entire heist, this terrible heist. And now they send that videotape to the news media. No, no. No, 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 no. You are wrong. They do not send the videotape to the news media. What do they do? Transmit a thing you do with radio waves or yeah. TV or like digital files, but you don't transmit a videotape, which is a physical object. But the line is transmit those videotapes to the <laughs> That's the line. That's a great line. And it works. And so the news media then broadcasts that on, I guess, like local Los Angeles television. And then around the world, there's like Nazi skinheads who are looking at the TV and they're like, I want some of them weapons. And then like in Cuba, just mean people all yeah, around yeah, the world. You see all there's these this, like criminals everywhere. Yeah. You see like a pirate on the high seas is like, I want some of them weapons. And then like on the Death Star and you just <gasps> see like, you know, the yeah. Empire. <laughs> It's just transmitting everywhere. Like you're like like you're exaggerating, but not by much. Not by like, much. That is really that is really what it's like. There it's just like bad people everywhere are now on the alert. So Burke calls the yeah. cops. Another thing that Burke should not be doing. Calls the cops, tells them, Would you like to find out where to get that fancy weapon that shot down your helicopter? Why are you calling people? And then we're at grandma's place where she's making another souffle. She's overcoming obstacles. She believes in her vision. Her story arc is very dramatic and we do not see enough of it at all. There's a cute little scene where she's suspicious of Johnny and he acts like an idiot. And then the cops bust in through the window. 
first thing that happens, cop comes through the kitchen window and then another cop comes busting through the door and Johnny and grandma decide to fight them. They fight the cops, which is not a wise thing to do. She hits one of them with a rolling pin and then he hits another one with a frying pan. Yeah, like in the movie Tangled. Yeah, he has solved one crime so far. And now he is attacking the police. This, like, again, bad at crime, like, resisting arrest. They're already inside your house, though. Like, it's not like you're going to get away. Like, you're going to fight. The- what was his plan there? I'm going to hit the cop with a frying pan, and then I'm going to mm-hmm. run away, and I will not be arrested. This is not a plan. Speed away on his motorcycle. On his magic motorcycle. This is not a plan. So SWAT team takes him down and arrests him. He puts his little Sparks microphone in his mouth, which apparently he just keeps there for a while. Johnny's in jail. He takes the he takes the transceiver out of his mouth and just puts it in his ear. And now he's talking to Sparks. They talk about how Burke is trying to like sell weapons and they need to track this down. And they say, like, but how does a buyer make contact? And she says, in this day and age, there's only one way. The internet. Wait, wait, can I say it? Absolutely. The internet. We can pick up all kinds of good crap, not just porno. <laughs> the line. It's a great line. That was, that's <laughs> 1997. They're not wrong. That is absolutely, that is what you would say. That's probably the most realistic line. But also in 1997, what is porno? You have to like download individual photographs yeah it's little thumb it's little thumb videos yeah you put it on a you put it on a zip disk yeah right exactly yeah so sparky's doing computer stuff she finds their website they're wired to the world johnny needs to get broken out of jail they know this man's name they know where he lives but they they have this insane plan to break him out of jail which is for Uncle Joe to deliver something to the DA and get his signature. And then Uncle Joe from the DA's office, like he's got a portable phone that's attached to the thing that he got the signature on, which he sends to Sparky with the remote data acquisition machine that he has. I can't explain this. I cannot explain what's happening. No, because it's nonsense. Yep. And then she calls the jail with the computer translating her voice into the DA's voice. They have a lot of faith in, in computer technology. She calls in and here's the DA saying that, that he wants he wants Johnny free by one o'clock. Written authorization coming in over your fax machine. They let Johnny out. He's got a big dumbass grin on his face. Once again, a crime with no further consequence. <laughs> it feels to me like they could figure this out later on. That like, wait, we just let this random, this dude go because somebody called on the phone, but they don't. We're out on another night mission. Zooming in on the Landsat, they find an old factory. Now this is the big climax. Burke, selling his weapons to the world, he's going to have a little late night factory convention marketing session. He's got all his friends here in the basement. He's got like Boris and Natasha and he has a couple Australian guys, <laughs> and he has like a couple of stormtroopers. There's all these bad people who showed up. Johnny tries to sneak in. Johnny is not stealthy. He thinks that he's stealthy in his huge clanking. Once again, a seven foot tall man in a metal suit. <laughs> Sneaking around, sneak, sneak, sneak. Gets caught almost immediately. Somebody comes with a gun and kidnaps Sparky. 
because finally Burke has used all of the information available to him about who these people are and, and what they're doing. Somebody tries to capture Uncle Joe, but Uncle Joe attacks him with the dog. And so then Burke is giving his presentation to all of his all of his mean friends. He's wearing a narrow jacket, which is very weird. <laughs> it looks like he's he's very Dr. Evil. There's a lot of Dr. Evil energy in this scene. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I would like to thank you all for making the trip here. I do believe it'll be worth your while with the help of my good friend, Big Willie here. And he kind of gestures to yes. Big Willie, who's standing by. Big Willie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you've all seen my dandy little toys at work on TV. But tonight I am going to give you a live demonstration. And that's when a bad guy finds Johnny and hits him with a sonic gun. And Johnny crashes through the window and falls <laughs> down right onto the platform where where Burke is. And so now that's the scene that's happening in front of us. Johnny tries to stand up and Burke says, uh-uh-uh, hold on. Because then revealed out of the door like the price is right. Here's Sparky in her wheelchair with a guy with a gun. There. Yep. They got now now she's there as well. He says, Burke says mean things. Then Burke says that he will lease these weapons to people. He he's not going to sell them. He's only going to lease them. And they say why? And he says. They require specialized maintenance and recharging, and only I can do that for you. Only we, says Big Willie. And then Burke, without looking at him, just pulls out a gun and shoots Big Willie and kills him. He does it. It's He's dead now. He's not going to be now. an ongoing antagonist on this TV show. <laughs> and Burke says, only I. So this is where the crazy really starts, I feel, for the entire movie. Like, this is... As crazy as it's been up until now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. Shooting Big Willie in front of everybody in the room. And there is no reaction to that. Like, how are we going to explain this to the front office? I will say that the movie has set up, as you've mentioned, a reality where villains can just kill people. Murder. Yeah. Where murder has no consequence at all. Like, we kind of know that by now. Yes. The crazy thing is that the people stay in the room with this violent psychopath who's just murdered his partner. No one in this movie has even rudimentary self-preservation skills. And then the amazing dialogue, which I'm just going to do because I love it. That's blackmail. And Burke says, that's business. How much? Millions. That's how Burke says it. He sure does. (laughs) And then it's like Fidel Castro is like, you don't need our money. You can steal all you want, which is, I don't know. And then that's when Burke says, do it. Ah, this isn't really about money. Mm-hmm. Australian guy says, you'll be the illegal arms supplier to the world. You want power. And Burke says, do you want to do this one? Now there's an idea. Yeah. You gentlemen think about this. <laughs> do you really want to be the only ones without my kind of firepower? While the rest of these nice folks, nice folks, start World War Three. That's what he says. And then they, and then you kind of like glance around the room, and there's Boris and Natasha going, <laughs> and pirates and stormtroopers and Flintheart Glomgold. Yeah, Flintheart Glomgold is there. Some prisoners with like black and white striped outfits and a and a ball and chain. Oh, they got all the bad guys. Yep, they drag Big Willie's body away. And he says, so let me give you that little demonstration that I promised, because Burke isn't done. 
you remember the Bankmobile and the boys in the hood who have served their purpose, incidentally? Incidentally? Yeah. Don't get hung up on the fact that the boys in the hood have served their purpose. It's incidental. Yeah, so here comes in, like on the Price is Right, this is kind of this float that just emerges from the back with the Bankmobile Humvee and Slats is sitting there on the on the hood of the car, presentation style. And Burke says, I always use rats for the preliminary testing. Don't know what that means. And then the hot dog thing. Oh, you and Slats? You don't know what lab you don't know what lab rats are, Danny? I don't I don't know. I don't know why he's calling slats a a he's calling slats a lab rat, but he is not a human man. I know, but he is. I know, but he's insulting it. He's insulting it. But that's not how he's used him. It doesn't matter. It's not. It's not a good movie. No, it's It's not not a good movie. movie. Oh, and slats the hot dog. (laughs) It was pork. And slats like pork. (laughs) And slats like why you? And then and then he just. And then Singer just shoots the greatest him. Greatest movie ever made. Singer just shoots him with with a weapon. Yeah. And and he falls down. Yep. He does not die though. Weirdly, Big yes. Willie dies, but Slats Slats lives. That's because they have to keep Slats around for the series. I'm telling <laughs> you, like, this right. is a TV Slats pilot. is going to be and Slats is going to be one of our ongoing antagonists. Yeah, yeah that's why they keep sure. saying his name. They say his name. You know Slats's name more than probably anybody else. You know Sparky because they say Sparky constantly, and then Slats. Burke turns back to his audience and says, well, you've seen how powerful these weapons are because you watched me murder all of my friends right here in front of you. Right. Yeah, they're still hanging around. And then Johnny boasts about his hammer and Burke takes the hammer. They do like a Bugs Bunny thing. The dumbest thing in this whole movie happened. Like you say, it's Bugs Bunny. Yeah. If it was Bugs Bunny, it would be, it would be fine. Yeah. That is the climax to a like a theoretically serious movie. Yep. It is wild to me. Can 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 I say? I would please tell me all about it. But what happens is Judd Nelson, Burke, is holding the hammer, and Steel is just like, don't push that red button. <laughs> and then he's like, Oh, you don't you don't want me to push it? I'm gonna push it. And then he does. He doesn't say it, but like that's what he does. I know. And then of course it like And that's the electromagnet and and all of the That's the electromagnet that pulls yeah. all the guns towards him. And it's just like it's the stupidest thing. That was the stupidest thing in the film. Immediately followed by the stupidest thing in the film, which is that Sparky, it turns out, has a magic weapons platform in her wheelchair. And she just starts, she pushes, I don't know what button, she pushes the go button on that wheelchair. And there's machine (laughs) guns inside it, which start destroying everything. Counterpoint. And she kind of like spins around. I would love to know your counterpoint. Counterpoint. Yes. I think that rules. Oh, yeah, no, it totally does. But it's fucking ridiculous. And it's another secret Santa thing. It's like, you didn't know this, but I've been spending all this time weaponizing my wheelchair. And so she's just kind of like spinning around and it's shooting. I don't know what. And at that point, like shit is on fire. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's coming out of this wheelchair, but it's setting things on fire. And at that point, then it just goes nuts. Like Slats is behind something and he's shooting a gun. I don't know who he's shooting at. Burke is shooting at somebody. A car blows up. Like, there's so much fire. There's just fire everywhere. And Sparks kind of turns to Johnny and says, well, why should you have all the fun? 
stuff starts to fall down. Like the building starts falling apart. There's like oil barrels apparently that are on fire and everybody's shooting. Bangity bang, bang, bang. And then Sparky's like, okay, I'm out. And she just presses another button on her magic wheelchair and it just like speeds her away. What a great movie. So now Slats, Slats and Burke are doing like a shootout thing. Another car explodes. I don't know where these, I don't know where all the people, but the shoots of people, I don't even know who they are at this point. Burke shoots Slats again. Johnny blasts a hole in the wall and tells all the black kids to run away, which is cute. I like that. So Slats and all his friends run away because we don't want them to die. Johnny's going after Burke. And then all of a sudden Burke has Martin. This is the yes, one moment right. where like, what did, what, what has Martin been doing all this time? Working on his interactive video games. The only reason that, that Burke has been doing anything with Martin apparently is just so he can pull him out of his pocket at this very moment. That's the score he has to settle. I know. If you shoot me, I'm going to, I'm going to kill your little brother. And then uncle Joe appears out of nowhere and just shoots at Burke mm-hmm. and Martin runs away. And then there's the whole free throw thing. Somehow Johnny and Martin end up locked in a room by singer with a grenade. And Johnny has to make the free throw to throw the grenade out of the, out of the room. It is. It is wild. It is, <laughs> as we've discussed, Shaquille O'Neal, 52% career free throw record. Yep. I don't know what it was in his first five or six seasons you know, before <laughs> this movie was made. But it was not good. That's the joke. Yeah. It is truly wild that they made this superhero movie based on a real DC comic. Yeah. And said the climax is going to depend on Shaq making not only a free throw. Yeah. But a free throw of some random grenade that Ray J finds lying on the ground. <laughs> like that's yep. bananas. And he does it. It's a big like hold your breath moment where it like teeters on the rim. And then it goes through and it all happens. And it explodes and everything's on fire. And then here's where Burke kind of runs somewhere in this burning building. And he says like, never saw my new toy. Did you? Let's see how your armor stands up to this unclear exactly what the hell that is but it backfires and it knocks Burke back and a pillar falls over and he's just like covered in wreckage and fire like you're supposed to do with villains when you don't want the hero to actually kill the villain it's like he did something bad himself and everything exploded and he got covered in fire and now he's just gone Burke Burke yeah so Burke is dead now more like jerk am I right (laughs) good one they should have used that all this fire and wreckage, somehow, like, the people who are still around are Sparks and Uncle Joe and Martin and Johnny and Uncle Joe's dog. Everything else in the world is on fire, but our heroes are fine. Grandma Odessa. Yeah, Grandma, and then Grandma, Odessa, Grandma Odessa goes out with a souffle shooting gun. Yeah, I wish. I wish. I know. I know. It would have been so great. That would rule. So it's just fire and architecture and devastation and just like everything in the world. Just it's like every superhero movie ever made. The entire world falls to the ground and burns around us. And that means that everything is fine. I feel like, I don't know, it's hard for me to get emotionally involved with the movie after Big Willie dies. Yeah, he's the... that's kind of it for me. Yeah, I'm done. And then there's Grandma's restaurant. 
which opens. Yeah. One of the great closings of all time. Grandma has opened up suddenly, all of a sudden, apparently the next day, Grandma has opened up Black and Bleu, her amazing French restaurant where they are serving lobster out of the shell. This scene clearly takes place in Wakanda. This is so obviously setting up Black and Bleu as a location for the rest of the series. Like, <laughs> yes. That's why we need to have it at the end of the pilot is it's like, we're not going to be oh, at because grandma's everybody's, house. Yeah. We'll be at the restaurant and, and like we can do stories about the restaurant. Yeah. Oh, know? I wish they did. So she's serving all this expensive food. All the good people are there at the table. And Spark says, grandma, Odessa, you are amazing. And she says, no, I'll tell you what's amazing. All this stuff we hear on the news about that steel man. And I'm like, no, you're an elderly black woman who opens a successful small business serving expensive food that nobody's ever heard of before. You are definitely more amazing than Steel is. <laughs> you are more amazing than anything I've ever seen in my life. And then, oh, it's so depressing. And then Sparks, there's one final Secret Santa moment where Sparks has made even more wheelchair modifications, which lift lift her up to shack height mm-hmm. and you have to imagine yeah watching the movie yeah that the reason she is up to shack height yeah is so that they can stop touching fingers et style finally have the romantic ending yes right and you have to imagine you have to imagine that they're going to kiss at the end of course and do they danny uh will they hug they hug real hard they sure do. They hug real they hard. They sure do hug. And she is very excited about that hug. She loved that's that hug is is she likes that hug quite a bit. Yeah, no, they don't they don't kiss. It's it's actually it's seriously it's sickening. Like for a movie, especially for a movie it's truly sickening. That okay. is specifically created in order to be a fantasy for black kids. Yeah. And give them a role model. Like that's the fantasy of the of the movie. You're doing this movie, this kind of anti-racist black movie, and then they do this obviously racist, like we cannot allow the the black man and the white woman to kiss. It's right. awful. Yeah. It's it's the worst ending. The only good thing I can say about it is at least they don't touch their fingers. At least it's a hug. It's a very sour note to end this terrible movie on. She looks very satisfied with that hug though. So I guess it's a happy ending. So we're talking about pivotal moments in the history of superhero movies. And this movie does have real impact between Steel and Batman and Robin. The DC superhero movie complex just falls apart, which is a thing that they do on about a 12 year cycle. It's happened three times by now. And next year, we're about to start DC's fourth cycle. But the beginning of the story of superhero movies, it was all DC characters. There was Superman for four films and Supergirl and Swamp Thing. And then it's and Batman. Then Batman and right. they do four films as well as Steel. And Marvel in all that time only makes the Howard the Duck movie, which doesn't even really count. Marvel hasn't really made any films. It's been DC dominating for two decades from 1978 to 1997. And then in 1997, right. Batman and Robin and Steel kill it off for another seven years. The early 2000s just belongs to Marvel. 20th Century Fox makes X-Men and Daredevil. Sony makes Spider-Man. And the X-Men and Spider-Man films are all really successful. Yes. The next movie that DC makes is Catwoman, 
in 2004. Like, they saved up for seven years, and then they do Catwoman. But then they finally do Batman Begins in 2005, and that gets them back on their feet for another cycle. Right. Why? You know, that's wild. I don't know that it had occurred to me that they go that long yeah. in between. No, that's Batman and Robin and Steel were very, very disappointing for DC. Kenner Toys made Steel action figures. I just want to point that out sure. as an amazing thing. They made they made a line of nine action figures, including a Sparks figure in a wheelchair. That's kind of fun, though. I mean, I know. It's here's good. the thing: yeah. as far as like representation goes, great. Yep. Like you can. Yeah. You're a little. You're a little kid in 1997 in a wheelchair. You can buy Annabeth Gish from the X Files later <laughs> seasons. They also made a Burke figure. They made Shellshock Burke with triple fire rotoblaster. Horrible. And then there are would not buy seven. Would not. Would not buy seven steel figures. There's armor up steel and power gauntlet steel. My favorite is mobile barrier steel with rapid fire assault sled. I can't imagine what that is even supposed to represent. They just had their own way of doing things over at Kenner. I remember the Batman action figures from the 90s had like all these crazy like glowing yes. Bruce Wayne. Yep. And stuff. Yeah. That had nothing to do with the movies. Yeah. yeah. But they I don't know how they got to assault sled. There she is Lieutenant Sparks with mobile defense power chair. It's good, right? Wow, there she is. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Love it. Would buy. Yep. Would buy. If it, listeners want to send me that, yeah. by all means. And then Kenneth Johnson, after this, created the 2007 Bionic Woman series, which was terrible and died. But did he, though, or does he just have a created by credit? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Same with V, you know? like Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Right. Because there's a Bionic. Yeah, there's a Bionic Woman series and then a V series in 2009. And you're right. I don't actually know whether he behind those well i know v he wasn't because it was like he had to sue to get a created by credit on it oh really let me look it up here because i know that that was that's hilarious oh kenneth johnson kenneth johnson you are a problem in april 2008 johnson stated his intent to remake the original v miniseries a johnson claimed to have been in discussions with producers interested in the project warner brothers produced a different remake of v for ABC Network, thus ending any prospect of Johnson's sequel being produced for television. And the Bionic Woman, you're right. It says creator uncredited. So he did nothing. He did this was his last writing job. With Steel was was his last writing job. He definitely wrote a novel called The The Second Generation in 2008. He was a producer on some alienation TV movies. Steel was basically the end of his career. He did a couple more TV movies, and then in the early 2000s. He directed a few episodes of JAG, and that was basically it. Steel was his swan song. And then there was a Bionic Woman reboot show in 2007. There was a V reboot show in 2009. And he was not actually involved in either of them. And that is the end for Kenneth Johnson. Well-deserved, I feel. Well, I mean, I don't know. I like The Incredible Hulk, like I've said, but I just think it was a a different world. You know, like, I think just the, the industry passed him by. Anthony Strand, thank you so much yes. for talking about Steel with me today. I had so much fun. Anthony, where can where can people find you in the world? They, so my I'm mostly off of social media, like public social media these days. You can always find me on Moving Right Along podcast from toughpigs.com, yes. as we've discussed on prior episodes. <laughs> and you can follow me on Letterboxd. I'm always happy to talk movies on Letterboxd All right. at Zeppo Marxist. Fantastic. And Moving Right Along and you've been on many episodes and we always love it. I know. And you I know, love, and like I love a, being there. You're a frequent guest. And yes. We love to have you. Cannot wait to have you on for Muppet Treasure Island. I'm excited about that. Our next movie 
the worst Muppet movie ever. Very excited <laughs> to have you. For more comedy about the history of superhero movies, you can go to the blog at superheroeseveryday.com. If you like the show, please leave a review, or you could reach me on Twitter, on Facebook, or on the blog. It would be great to hear from you. And please tell the people in your life about the show. Coming up in the next episode, we're discussing the 1995 Val Kilmer, Joel Schumacher conundrum, Batman Forever. Here's your preview. Ice Blade Batman, Power Beacon Batman, you know, like, I can just keep going and going. Like Night Slave Batman, Wing Blast Batman, Recon Hunter Batman. Honey Nut Batman, Apple Cinnamon Batman. The most suspenseful thing in the movie is when Jim Carrey has a good take, and then you're just waiting to see if he's going to ruin it or not. As if they got to the end of writing the script and they were like, oh yeah, the Riddler is supposed to do riddles. For about two hours, we see him not catch criminals. What he's amazing at is luring troubled teens to live in his house. By the way, can I just interrupt very quickly? Pat Hingle plays Commissioner Gordon. Is he a bad actor? I thought here stories were perfect and powerful. But I guess in this case, I guess that's not the case right now. All right, get excited for that. Come back next week for the Superheroes Everyday Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Love you. Bye.